Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody again and welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. It's James, as always, the Cricket Badger, taking you through this edition of the pod. I'm delighted to say that we've got a really good guest on this edition, Thomas Blow, writer and journalist at the Cricketer magazine. He's also written a, a very good book, actually. When I spoke to Thomas 10 days or so ago, I'd not actually read the book, but I've sat down and had a bit of a, a proper flick through it since, uh, since I had the chat with Thomas, and it's well recommended by the Badger. A really good read. And it's called The Honorary Tyke, Inside Sachin Tendulkar's Summer at Yorkshire CCC. Forward by Darren Lehman and Jason Gillespie. So three there, very exalted overseas players at Yorkshire have had since they've opened the doors in 1992 to the little master coming in as a 18-year-old, finding his way in the game a little bit at the time. He's obviously gone on, broken huge in numbers of records, a global phenomenon, Sachin Tendulkar. And Thomas delves into that year in 1992, speaks to a lot of people about Sachin's year with the club. And I think you'll enjoy the chat. Really good chat with Thomas and definitely a book that I would recommend that you buy if you can. Details in the chat and also at the end of the podcast about how you can get your hands on the honorary tyke, Sachin Tendulkar's Summer at Yorkshire CCC. As you know, I've been dedicating the various podcasts to different people affected by the COVID-19 crisis around the world. And this edition of the podcast goes to everybody that's currently living on their own. I live in a one-bedroom flat. I've got no garden. I've got no balcony. I can't get outside apart from my trip to the shop or the little bit of exercise I've got. I've been keeping myself busy by doing the podcast, doing some writing and trying to add some structure to my day. But it's not particularly easy. And I know a lot of people out there are really struggling with that. Hopefully the Cricket Badger podcast is filling an hour or so of your time every now and again. There's loads of back issues as well. So if you want to go back and listen to the chat I had with Bumble or David Gower, Mark Butcher, plenty of big name interviews that we've had in the past. And because most of them take on the Cricket Badger 20 questions, they're all fairly timeless as well. So you can listen to them and probably get as much out of them now as you could do when they first came out into podcast land. But if you sat on your own in a flat somewhere, feeling a little bit miserable, keep going. This one's for you. Thanks as well to our sponsors, tvsportsblog.com. Have a look at their website, some cracking sporting material on there. Give them a follow as well on Twitter at TV Sports Blog. But without further ado, let's get into the meat and two veg of this Cricket Badger podcast and we'll welcome Thomas Blow to the podcast for the first time to talk about his book, Honorary Tyke, inside Sachin Tendulkar's summer at Yorkshire CCC. It's that Badger style. This time of coronavirus, and I promise you listeners, that's the only time that will be mentioned on this edition of the podcast. Books are a good way of whiling away the hours as you sat on your backside, doing absolutely nothing else, hoping it all passes by. 
plenty of cricket books out there. I will remind you of mine, Following On in the Footsteps of Cricketing Fathers by James Butler, available on Amazon. But we're here today to talk about Thomas's book, The Honorary Tyke. And first of all, welcome to the podcast, Thomas. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. A lot's been said and a lot's been written about Sachin Tundalka down the years. But possibly one of the least known parts of his career is his his year with Yorkshire in 1992. Um, Did you you find that when you were writing it, that there was plenty that you, you found that you didn't know already yeah I mean I I really wanted to to write a cricket book it was um I'm, I'm quite young myself I was only tw- I mean, 25 now and when I started it I was 23 so I really wanted to start my career and um start writing write a book and I was obviously always fascinated by Yorkshire um obviously coming from Yorkshire myself so this was a topic that I thought was a, a brilliant topic him um Yorkshire's first overseas player having spent so many years not having an overseas player when other counties really prospered from it. And obviously Sashington Dorker being their, coming their first overseas player and um, the career he went on to have afterwards. So I was really fascinated by the topic and I, I, I thought someone would have wrote a book on it already because Sashington Dorker is obviously such a, a star, a mega star of cricket and obviously so so famous and world-renowned. So I thought he would have already been a book on it. And when I did a bit of research into it, I found a few articles here and there which were really detailed and interesting, but there were no kind of massive accounts on his time at Yorkshire. And I thought, why not give it a go? And uh, yeah, it's it was a really, it's been a really interesting kind of, um, it's been a really fun thing to kind of uh, research and discover and uh, kind of dedicate a lot of time to and uh, really happy with what it's come out as. You could have done with having that writing time now, couldn't you? I know what it's like to write a book. Uh, it, t- it takes a lot longer than I think people realise, sticking a book together and making sure you're happy with it before you, you press send to the publishers. And did you ever at any stage regret starting it? I know when I, I, I always found you have the initial idea and you start off the first few chapters with, with massive zest and enthusiasm. Yeah. Then you hit the middle bit and you think, oh, flipping it, why have I done this? And then you get towards the end and you think, oh, I'm nearly at the end now, I can carry on. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't ever think of, I don't, I don't think it was a, a point of regret because I always think even if it was a point where, because I tried writing a few other books and you get to like two or three, maybe two or three chapters in and you just think, what am I actually, what am I doing? And there's not really enough substance in this. And when you're kind of looking into ideas and with this, I kind of never really regretted starting it because I, I just, I really enjoyed writing it through. I thought I, I always believed in the idea and, um, thankfully a, a publisher did uh, vertical editions and it, i never regretted it but there were points when i thought when i, I kind of realized how hard it is to write a book because you have to i mean you do the you do the re, all the research and then you start writing it and putting it together and then you think when you first finish the first draft oh this is going to sound you know we're really happy with it but then you read through it you see all the mistakes and then your publisher might read through it or a proofer and then you find even more mistakes. And it's just kind of, it's such a long process and actually getting to that point where you're finally happy with the final edit. And truthfully, I, I probably would never have been happy with the final edit because there's always ways you can improve and um, keep going. But uh, you've got to come to a point where you, you finish, um, whatever long form of writing you're doing, you've got to get a point where you finish in the end. And yeah, I was, I was really, I'm really happy with the end result. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a very long, long process and it's definitely a, le- a lesson for me. It's the first book I've wrote. So it's a big lesson. Sasha Tindalka opened the door for obviously plenty of overseas players after 1992 and you got two of them on the front cover as well forwards by Darren Lehman and Jason Gillespie two Australians arguably two of the most uh, popular imports into uh, Yorkshire in terms of county cricket was it was it easy to get them to write the forwards for you yeah it was it was really easy yeah um I initially well I mean there was um let's see there's plenty of people who could have wrote a forward um but I was really keen on getting Darren Lehman and Jason Gillespie. I thought it kind of fit the theme. Um, we're both being successful overseas players for Yorkshire. So Lehman's probably the most successful of all time. It'd be hard to disagree with that. And Jason Gillespie, of course, is more, um, I see if you kind of remember him more for what he did as a coach, winning those back-to-back titles. So but I really wanted to get them involved and um, they were. I managed to get in touch with them and they were really more than happy to help. And um yeah, it was, it was they were a real pleasure to work with. And um, yeah, I mean, anyone I everyone I interviewed for the book, I wasn't fortunate enough to get a hold of Tashin, um, but everyone else I interviewed for the book, um, they were all really, really easy to get hold of and really, well, not easy to get hold of, but really, really great to, they were really all very happy to help. And um, I noticed that a lot in kind of, when I interview cricketers, they're all generally, well, not all of them, but most of them generally quite nice and uh, really kind of encouraging and want you to want to help and get involved. So everyone who I worked with on this book um, was a real pleasure. So uh, especially uh, Darren and Jason. 
We're really lucky in cricket, actually, aren't we? Because the, I mean, I think I actually tweeted something along these lines yesterday that the that the people that we deal with in cricket generally have brain cells. They generally know what you're after, and they try and, and give you the best interviews possible. I think we're quite lucky in cricket in that respect. And you, you talk about Sasha Tendulkar and trying to get him in the book. I, I assume that you try to get in touch with him and try to get a few quotes directly from the great man. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, it, it was just kind of didn't get any kind of leads in the end. I was kind of looking and couldn't find anything at all. I mean, you kind of, when I looked at who to interview, my aim was trying, because the story isn't necessarily just about Sachin, it's about kind of the actual, the actual event and what happened and Yorkshire becoming for Yorkshire's first overseas player and what that meant for the future of Yorkshire's, uh, for Yorkshire cricket and generally just how big of an occasion it really was for the in the club's history so i wanted to kind of reflect that as much as as sachin and the development he had as a player by coming to yorkshire so i didn't really know where to start with a lot of people i tried to infuse I, the focus was to first of all get as many members of the squad and sachin and i managed to get about five or six and what is about 15 16 man squad in those days so yeah i managed to get about six um yorkshire players which is brilliant and um but Sachin I just couldn't couldn't manage to track him down and uh, had a few kind of loose ends but nothing really kind of substantial and I guess it's it's just you know he's a very busy man so it was really it was quite difficult to try and try and find a way to get through to him but and then I tried to also to interview people he played against so what was it like to to bowl bowl at Sachin Tendulkar and he also bowled a few hours himself while he was at Yorkshire um I think I put some stats towards the back of the book about his time at your some of his bowling statistics and um there's quite a few players who faced him faced him in terms of uh facing with the ball so yeah i tried to get a true reflection of what it was like to play with sachin what it was like to play against him hopefully i've done that and um but yeah in terms of getting in touch with sachin it was it was difficult and um <laughs> hopefully he does read the book one day and it'd be great to chat to him about it in, in depth I could nearly have been a really big help to you because when uh, Yorkshire qualified for the Champions League, um, Yorkshire went across to South Africa and I was lucky enough to go with them. And there was one day and um, I was at the ground, teams were taking it in turns to practice and the Mumbai Indians coach pulled up and out came all of the players, including Sachin Tendulkar. So we thought, oh, we'll hang around a bit and we'll watch this. And there was a moment where Sachin Tendulkar kind of wandered away from the practice and he was just kind of walking around on his own. So I said to the, uh, my colleague who was out there with and said, right, I'm not going to get a better chance than this. I'm going to go over there and ask him if he'll give me 10 minutes on video about his yeah. time with Yorkshire in 1992. So I went across to him and I said, hi, Sachin, it's James. And introduced myself, shook my hand and he gave me a big smile. He was really pleasant. And I said, I don't suppose, I know everybody's going to be asking you this, but I don't suppose you just give me 10 minutes on, on film talking about your time with Yorkshire in 1992 and he said I am really sorry he said I have um, I am not doing any media whilst I'm at the Champions League but I wish you every success with with your uh, with your job or something and uh, and then I said oh, well, fair enough and shook his hand again and never washed that hand for about six weeks I don't think after that <laughs> wanted to keep a little bit of magic on, on me but so I nearly got some stuff for you there Thomas I nearly got some stuff for you. He, he must be probably one of the most oversubscribed people in the yeah. world when so people wanting a piece of him but I mean we see what Virat Kohli has to put up with these days and yeah the Indian public are just absolutely crazy about their cricket Sachin Tendulkar if he said yes to everybody he'd never do anything else but do interviews yeah exactly and that's the and that's the kind of the tr- trouble I mean yeah it's you need a lot I mean with all the with all the interviews you need a bit of luck you know some people are really willing to get involved and then other people you kind of need to find a way to track him down. I think Simon Kellett, who I interviewed, um, he I think I tried, I got through him through speaking to a couple of clubs, and then they managed to then pass me and put me in touch with him. And it was, um, yeah, it's it can be um, can be quite difficult to get hold of people. And I guess Sachin is probably the hardest of all the cricketers in the world. I think if you've got a wish list as a, a cricket journalist and Virat Kohli and Sachin Tendulkar at the top of it, you're going to struggle. You're going to really struggle. Your you book cover, Thomas, um, that is quite an iconic photograph, really, from his time with Yorkshire, where he's pictured um, on the edge of Headingley. He's got his Yorkshire tracksuit on. He's got a flat cap. He's got his bat in his right hand and a pint of Tetley's beer, I think, were the sponsors at the, at the time, in his left hand, posing as a Yorkshireman as he arrived at Headingley. That's uh, a very famous photograph, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it was the obvious front cover. Uh, um, there's nothing else you can. That is the picture you you see when you when you think of Sachin at, at Yorkshire. I think the actual incident itself was um, it was kind of an opportunist moment by Tetley's to stick a bat in his hand and a flat cap on his head and a pint of bitter to create kind of the ultimate the ultimate Yorkshire stereotype. And it's a I've got it in front of me here. It's an amazing image and it was actually at, um, I think it was actually at the Oval. 
that's it. Yeah, I'll look at the stands behind it. That's definitely not heading you, is it? Yeah, it's, it was at the. I'm sure it was at the Oval. So I think his first press conference was during a game between Surrey and Yorkshire. So I think his his uh, press conference was yeah at the Oval, and uh, that was a kind of opportunist opportunist picture that was taken at the time. Um, but obviously, it's gone on to become the most famous picture related to the topic. So it is a wonderful image, and um, it is it makes it makes it all more better. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I don't think you could have chosen a better image for the front cover. You could have you could have found him playing in a Yorkshire shirt. You could have found him doing a, a wonderful cover drive playing for India. But that is the image that I think everybody thinks about when they think of Sachin Tendulkar at Yorkshire. Just going back to the start, going back to where Yorkshire were in 1992 when they decided to go for an overseas player, you could have been sat writing a book about Craig McDermott, couldn't you? You could have been, yeah. Um, that's something I didn't even... So with, the top, with my knowledge of the topic before I started researching and studying... Um, I was born in '94, so it was bef- so it all happened before I was born. So um, I kind of uh, learned about it through obviously, you know, doing lots of plenty of research and learning about the topic. But with a with a McDermott, I was really surprised when I found out that he was due to be the first Yorkshire Yorkshire overseas first overseas player because obviously McDermott's still a very famous cricketer, but he obviously nowhere near the standing of what Tendulkar is and kind of the reputation. So I think the, the instant what happened was, you know, he was Yorkshire wanted to sign an overseas player. Um, want to sign an overseas fast bowler because that was one of their biggest problems throughout the 80s. They wanted someone to come in and take enough wickets to win the championship because they always had great batsmen, um, not as good as what they had in the 60s, but they still had people such as Boycott who played until 86. You had people such as uh, Moxon, um, David Bias, people like that. So you had, they still had plenty of um, great batsmen, but they really needed someone to come in, uh, really needed fast bowlers to come in and put a lot of pace into their attack. Uh, something that had kind of been missing throughout the period. So they wanted to sign McDermott and um, he kind of fit the bill, really. He Because Yorkshire Television put the £30,000 needed to sign an overseas player, that the club the club needed their money to go ahead and sign this top marquee player. And um, McDermott was kind of, he kind of fit the bill. He was a, a star of Australia. He was the fastball they were looking for and he had the quality needed to maybe push for push towards to the top end of the championship and um he withdrew late on um through a groin injury so Tendulkar was really a last minute signing and um yeah uh, it, it would have been interesting to see what what would happen if McDermott ever did join Yorkshire but as we know he, he never did and um I think Richie Richardson was the person to succeed Tendulkar when he wasn't able to sign for a second year Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look. And give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. And it was Solly Adam, wasn't it? The um, local Asian businessman, cricket lover, who was the conduit really between Yorkshire and the club. Because it was, I think Craig McDermott, from memory this is, because um, I've only read kind of the first third of your book so far. The fact that we're in lockdown, I'm going to mention it again, bum, 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 klaxon. Everybody seems to think, well, we've got loads of time, but I've actually filled my time quite well so far. Yeah. Um, but so- Solly Adam was the man that kind of came in at the end and gave Yorkshire a little bit of advice that there is this young 18, 90-year-old Sachin Tendulkar who is a flipping good player. It's worth taking a look at him because it was quite a last moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very last moment. I think it was Dermot pulled out very late on. He actually gave an interview um, in 1991 when he signed for the cricketer. Um, so obviously, well, I worked for the cricketer, so I was able to look in their old archives. A lot of that is available online through Cricket Archive, but only up to 1983, so... The actual magazine archives was going through 1991 and 92 to see what really happened with Dermot. And he gave an interview at the time saying, yeah, don't worry, I'll be fit. You don't need to worry about me because there was a lot of concerns about his fitness throughout his career. He had a lot of injuries, um, as many fast bowlers do. And um, Tund- he really pulled out quite late. And Tendulka had just come off the back of playing a massive tour in Australia, which included a test series between India and Australia and the World Cup. And that test series was really interesting for Tendulkar because he came, he made he made his name really in 1990 when he came to England and played and scored a century to save a test match for India at Old Trafford. Um, but then in 92, the tour of Australia was his first, was really his breakthrough tour as, as an international cricketer because he scored two, two centuries for India during that tour, which was quite a bad one for them overall. So he'd come off this big be playing a whole season in India and then playing a big tour in Australia. And Solly Adam had had met Tendulkar, I think, a couple of years before. And he kind of said um, when when he realised that McDermott wasn't able to come, he went to he went to the Yorkshire board and said, you know, I know these two, I know this player because he also met uh, Vinod Cambly when he was um, when he first um, when he went when he met Sachin Tendulkar because they 
they came through together at the same time. And he signed Vinod for um, Spen Victoria, who was his club in the Bradford League. And But Sachin was still unattached for that season. And he said to Yorkshire, this is a great player. He's going to be amazing. Don Bradman said he's going to be... Um, going to be the best player in the world so if Don Bradman's saying that then clearly he's going to be an amazing player and, and that kind of persuaded them then they kind of said well how are we going to sign him you know this is a you know if he's if he's as great as you say he is how is he how are we going to get him to persuade him to come to Yorkshire and it was Solly who used his contacts with uh, Sonny Gavaska um, said to him you know do you want to can you persuade him to come and uh, Sonny then persuaded Sachin you know Sonny had the time in 1980 with Somerset when he played county cricket then it kind of he was on at the pinnacle of his career really I think he was around kind of late 20s, early 30s when he played for Somerset. So he really persuaded him and said, this will this will really improve your game. It's a, it's a great learning curve for you. And I think it will be, you know, you're going to be Yorkshire's first overseas player. This is a massive thing because, you know, Yorkshire, one of the biggest clubs in England, the most successful at that point and still the most successful, you know, you're going to be create history. So that really persuaded him. Solly Adam had a big part in persuading him um, as well as other figures, but then also um, looking after him when he was here. So obviously... 19 years old. I mean, it's easy to think this is Tendulkar, but really he was still only 19. And I kind of think, you know, we all remember what it's like to be 19 years old and how how scary that would have been to go travelling across the world and have this huge pressure on you. So Solly Adam was really kind of like a, a kind of like a, a great friend to Sashin while he was here. I think he stayed in one of his houses. He kind of um, kind of made sure anything that he needed doing for him that was done, such as such as washing, which is a story that's in the book. And um, they've got a friendship which kind of remains to this day. And when I spoke to Solly, I went and met him in August last year, actually on the day at Headingley when Ben Stokes scored, um, obviously won the Test match for England against Australia. So I, I missed that. I missed a lot of that. But when I met Solly, he was like saying, oh, I only saw him about a month ago. Um at Sonal Gavaska's um, 60th birthday party. So, was it, no, not 60th birthday party. Sorry, just his birthday party. I don't know why I'm thinking 60th birthday. <laughs> but yeah, it was. he said, I've seen him a month ago at his birthday party. And Sachin was over here in the summer last year. Um, didn't, get, didn't manage to get hold of him. But Solly and Sachin are still uh, very much kind of friends. And um, I think a lot of the players I actually spoke to said, you know, I've one or two of them said I've seen Sachin recently. Simon Keller, I think, said to me he saw him a few years ago um, and he still remembered who everyone was in the team and kind of and the relationships they built together really lasted over at the test of time and all the players he played with and Solly Adam uh, they were all kind of you know saying how much of a gent he was and um, I guess your story at the Champions Champions League kind of supports that as well. Absolutely yeah he, he was a uh, you know he was only two minutes but it was two minutes I won't forget because you, you not often you touch greatness and I actually literally did touch greatness that day. Yeah. Sonal Gavaska is 70, so I imagine it was his 70th birthday. <laughs> it probably was his 70th birthday, yeah. Um, I think I'm getting confused. My dad's 60th birthday the other day, so I'm probably getting confused with that. <laughs> um, I'll, but, uh, I'll clip out your ref- our references to 70, and Sonal Gavaska will be a big fan of the podcast if we take 10 years off his age, I'm sure. Um, yeah. We're currently on the at Cricket underscore Badger Twitter feed. We're, we're doing the vote for the hashtag Goat Cricketer, the greatest all-time all Indian cricketer. Sachin Tendulkar is very much in that draw, and I imagine we'll get quite a long way through it if not win it how yeah. much of a um how much of a sign was there in 1992 from the young Sachin Tendulkar that he was going to go on and achieve what he did do in the game because yeah he's broken records he's been arguably the one of the greatest well certainly one of the greatest batsmen of all time certainly the greatest batsman of this generation and possibly the greatest ever yeah I mean there was a lot of signs during his season at Yorkshire um before of course there was the centuries in Australia and in England so even before he came to um came to Yorkshire he'd scored first class centuries in Australia India and England so he'd already kind of proven himself in different conditions but this was really kind of proving himself in England over a long period of time there was glimpses when he first came um he had this fit at the time when he first played his first first class match from 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 uh from Mumbai if I can say uh, say the word um he scored a century on debut when he was 15 so he kind of then set the tone where Whenever he plays his first game, he's going to score a century. And he almost did for Yorkshire. I think he was 86. Well, I think he was bold LB, well, he's LBW and 86, I think, on his debut, first class debut for Yorkshire. He kind of set the tone from then. But really, as, if you, as you read the book, there was um, it took him a long time to actually score a century for Yorkshire. So he showed a lot of glimpses on what he could do. And um, that was kind of a lot, big part of his Yorkshire career. You know, he still did well in scoring a thousand first class runs in 16 games, which... At the time, you know, for a thousand first class runs in county championship cricket wasn't a, a big deal, really, because if we were 22 games and possibly 44 innings, a lot of players scored a thousand runs. But he played 16 games 
um, three, 16 championship games for Yorkshire, which you can kind of kind of compare to today and very few players today score a thousand first class runs and um, for him to score a thousand first class runs and also do it at 19 years old and his first going county championship was a, was a was a big achievement I think his time maybe was more about glimpses rather than kind of dominating county cricket but I think that's kind of when you get when you get the perception from kind of the players they played they played with they would all say about him in training and kind of what he'd be doing which is just years ahead of everyone else he the quality he had in actually he was you know he'd do things that other players just couldn't do so his time was as much about glimpses rather than anything else and kind of showing his quality but I think there was no doubt really in any of the players mind that he would go on to become a superstar and um, you know go on to fulfill his potential but I don't think anyone at the time really thought that he would do what he did um, and scoring I think there was a quote I got from the time um, which made me I think it was in 1992 it was a newspaper quote which kind of had a, like a prophecy of him where he said you know he's going to score x amount of runs x amount of wickets and um, he's going to he's going to get x amount of caps for India and he ended up getting like twice as many so he was so much better than anyone everyone thought he would be which is that which is you know so that's kind of a, a credit to himself really because he managed to it's in a similar way to kind of say James Anderson now managing to kind of carry on and um, continue to play into a and an kind of an older 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 age such as towards his 40 I think he, he was in his 40s maybe when he retired so kind of um, he had that longevity in his career which is a, an amazing trait and um, at the time I think everyone knew he was going to be a star for India but maybe not quite as much as he went on to be uh, and breaking all those records and not just breaking them but smashing them really I mean I can't see anyone catching any of his records in test and ODI cricket maybe Kohli in ODI cricket but apart from that I can't see anyone breaking his test records Just imagine what he would have achieved if he'd come back to Yorkshire maybe five years later when he was actually a fully formed cricketer he would have absolutely dominated the county scene wouldn't he? Yeah definitely I mean he I mean he he wanted I think he did want to stay on for 1993 um, that is the perception but Obviously, we were, um, you know, it is difficult for, I think, India were keen to have him kind of committed. You see, there's a lot of overlap with the English and English and Indian seasons. You see it now with the IPL. It was difficult with um, for him to kind of stay on um, with him being such an asset towards Indian cricket. So, um, but he, if he would have stayed on, there's no doubt that he could have done what, what, what Darren Lehman did and go on to score plenty of runs for Yorkshire and uh, become kind of the greatest greatest overseas player in the club's history. So there's no doubt he would have been a star and would have won the championship one day if he'd have continued on. I think even David Byers said that when I interviewed the time, he said, you know, has, has he had the impact that Darren Lehman had? No, but that's because Darren Lehman had that longevity at the club. And um, really, if he had that, he would have definitely been a star, I think, for Yorkshire over a long period of time. As you know, on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed, we've been looking for the hashtag goat cricketer, the greatest test match cricketer of all time. We've done the England vote. Congratulations to Sir Ian Botham. We've done the India vote. Congratulations to the little master, Sachin Tendulkar. And we're now turning our attention to the West Indies. Who is the greatest test player of all time to wear the maroon cap? Follow the Cricket Badger on Twitter at cricket underscore badger. Have your say, discuss the issues and have your vote as we find who is the greatest West Indian Test cricketer of all time. The top four in each of the votes will also go through to the final, the world's greatest ever Test match cricketer. So second, third and fourth place matter too. Who is the greatest West Indian Test cricketer of all time? Hashtag Goat Cricketer on Twitter. Follow at cricket underscore badger to have your say and have your vote. We all know, Thomas, that cricket is a team sport and as much of it is off the pitch as on it. Um, obviously, the important stuff, the stats and everything are on the green stuff, but it's about how you fit into a team. I mean, you, you talked to some of his former teammates there. How, how did they, they see him sociably and, and what have you when, in 1992? Was he as shy and as quiet and stuck in the corner as you maybe imagine? Or was he as, was he part of the team? I think he was a bit of both, really. So they all said he was relatively shy, um, which is, you know, is not unsurprising. I think we'd all be shy if we were 19 years old coming into a team 
in a different country, which was a team of men, really. I mean, you know, a lot of those players were kind of in the 30s and um, kind of established county pros. And um, it would have been scary for anyone coming at that age. So, but they all said he was, he got involved in the banter. He was a really lovely guy and um, he fit really well into the team. And I think at the end of the season, I think he invited the entire, the whole squad or most of the squad to go to his, his wedding in India. And um, I think only Phil Carrick went. But that's that, that's purely because I think, you know, the timings and stuff, of course. But, and obviously it's a long way to go for a wedding. Um, but yeah, they all, they all got on really well with him and they all kind of said, you know, they were really, how how much of a gentleman he was and how easily he got on with him. And um, I think they learned a lot from him as well, um, kind of the way he practiced and trained. Um, he was very dedicated to training from a young age. He was, that was kind of installed in him. So as much as he had the talent, he had the hard work and dedication, which you can see in all, all great sportsmen. They all have that. So yeah, and there's a great there's a great story. There's a lot of great stories about the curries. So they managed to get three three Indians um, a lot of nights when they went out um, when they walked down the street. So a lot of players used to kind of kind of tag along with him just so they could get free meals. I can't believe that Yorkshiremen would do that. <laughs> As you say, the, the book obviously kind of around Sashington Dorfa, but it's about the, the kind of the formation and the development of a, a great cricket institution in Yorkshire cricket, who very much picked from inside its own boundaries before 1992. Sashington Dorfa then ploughed the furrow that many overseas players have, uh, have followed into that side, including obviously Darren Lehman and Jason Gillespie, your two forward writers. How, how has that actually changed the landscape, do you think, in, in Yorkshire cricket? Was it initially accepted? Was it something that they the club had to fight for? I mean, what I tried to reflect in the story was kind of a bridge version of Yorkshire's history, which is the first chapter, um, which hopefully I've done justice. That was a real worry of mine to try and get that as true as possible. Try and give context to why... Um, why this why this was such a big deal when Sachin became the first overseas player. I think it was a massive moment in Yorkshire's history. Uh, you really look at the history and you can look up to the 1960s and that kind of is a, is a read. The 19, 1968 really is probably the biggest, one of the biggest years in the club's history. Yorkshire won the title for the last time for the last time for 33 years. But then also Gary Sobers came to play for Nottinghamshire and redefined kind of English cricket as we know it. So I think it's a really important year in the club's history, seeing them with all their success um, but then also seeing the early signs of what overseas players could really give to the English game. And then they enter this barren period where during the 70s, they lose they lose a lot of their big players, Brian Close, Fred Truman. They all kind of moved on at the beginning of the decade. It was really, really Jeffrey Boycott, who was their kind of star player at that point. So they lost all these, lost all their great players. And there was always a belief that these new young players would come through. They never really did. A lot of some of them even did went on to go play for other counties that are more successful at the time. So they kind of lost their kind of position as your as the country's best team. By 1992, it was a real it was kind of a real struggle to get members to, at first to kind of go decide that they wanted to have an overseas player uh, or even a player just born outside of Yorkshire, which is kind of bizarre, really, when you think about um, Lord Hawke, who was from Gainsborough. So um, it's, it's really interesting and it's really weird how this even came about the fact that they Yorkshire Yorkshire needed players from Yorkshire it, it didn't really make much sense um, when it came towards the late 80s and 90s and during the 80s there was a few attempts to kind of change the way um, the rules that the club had but they were all kind of squashed at the time but towards 1992 there was kind of a gradual developments that would make that would bring Sachin to Yorkshire so you'd have by 1990 the rule that Yorkshire needed only players born in Yorkshire was scrapped. A lot of that had to do with Michael Vaughan. Um, at the time he was coming through in the academy and they kind of knew he wasn't from Yorkshire and it was a case of, you know, we've let players in the past go who were who were really talented. Do we want to let a guy who's going to be going to be going to be one of the best batsmen in the world at, at one point in the career, which he was, and going to be an England captain? Do we want to let this guy go? And that kind of persuaded them to decide to sign a note to, to kind of scrap the rule that all players had to be born in Yorkshire. Um, and also you saw Craig White coming to the club around the same time. He was born in Yorkshire, but he was he was really, you know, he was um, he was an Englishman, of course, but he grew up in Australia. So he spent most of his formative years away from away from Yorkshire. So that's that was kind of a weird one. And then. The fact that they kind of saw him as a as a Yorkshire Yorkshire born and bred, even though he was just born in Yorkshire and then grew up in in Australia, and then he got to that point in 1991, which was like, you know, this this club is kind of going going only one way. You know, we're losing members. Members don't really members want to see the club successful. They don't really care where where people are from as long as the club's doing well. This is part of Yorkshire's kind of pride and regional identity that we have a strong cricketing team. Members 
didn't really, no one really, not many people really cared where players were from. They just wanted to see the club do well. And it, it kind of, yeah, it was, it, it kind of gradually over years, the idea that you had to have people born in, playing for the club that were born in Yorkshire, it kind of eroded away. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that other counties were successful. You looked around the county scene, Hampshire had Marshall and Greenwich for a, a, a sustained period, Wayne Daniel at Middlesex, obviously the, the famous duo of Garner and Richards at Somerset. They were yeah. winning titles. They were winning trophies with those guys, and those guys were making the difference, weren't they? Yeah, massive difference. And that they they were the. I mean, Somerset in their history. You you can look at Somerset's history um, in terms of living memory, and uh, you look at the team now. And Somerset's team now is obviously very very good. Um, they you know they've five runners up in ten years in the championship, but. They were part of their history where they were successful was during uh, the 70s and 80s when they had those players, um, such as Viv Richards. So that was a big part of their, you look at their kind of golden era and that was it. And the reason that was it is because, of course, they had Ian Botham, but then they had two other, two and three other, two or three other marvellous overseas players. And um, that really kind of showed county fans the point at that time, you know, these players were coming over. Not only were they um, were they great ambassadors to the community and um, really coming because you see overseas players come over now and they just kind of play for a bit and then they go, um, which is part of the modern game and you can't really do anything to kind of change that. But back then it was kind of these players would come over and they would become ingrained within the community and um, they were doing that and they were also becoming they were also amazing players. Of course, they were some of the best players in the world and some of them were the best players to ever play the game. So that was county cricket then. In, in a similar way, you can look at, say, football now in the Premier League. You know, you look at the players, the foreign players in the Premier League now. They are a massive part of the, the identity of the sport and people's opinions do change over time. And uh, maybe in the 50s, it might have been seen. Or when Gary Sobers first played for Nottingham, came over to Nottinghamshire in 1968, maybe it was seen as something that shouldn't be done But then by the people at the time. But then opinions change over years and Yorkshire were just very slow to kind of realising that that kind of traditional and kind of backdated and really kind of narrow-minded view on who should play for the county uh, was completely out of date and they had to make a change and it just took them a long time to kind of realise that and it was very gradual but by 92, by 91 really, when they were really struggling to kind of uh, make money and losing members kind of quite rapidly, they had to make a change and they realised, you know, no longer can we kind of be kind of dictated by our kind of heritage and history, we need to get with the times really. I was fortunate enough, Thomas, uh, in Barbados a couple of years ago, Jeremy Lloyds, the former umpire, former Somerset player, introduced me to Joel Garner and we shared a few rums one, one evening. And Joel Garner, the thing that amazed me about Joel Garner, you know, he's achieved loads in the game, West Indian great, um, a huge figure in, in cricket, literally, as well as uh, as well as most yeah. He spoke about Somerset as if it was almost his home. You know, he, he becomes yeah. so ingrained in Somerset. He comes over every summer to still visit the club and to, to see everybody. You know, it was in a massively important part of his his kind of development as a player. And I mean, I, I guess one of the things that, you know, English people used to think was that that, I mean, we bring over people like Joel Garner, we just make them better, and then they come back and West Indies beat us 5 0. It was one of those yeah. things. Yeah, they, they were a huge addition to to, uh, to their counties. But I mean, I, I grew up hearing stories of Yorkshire Yorkshire folk, and yeah, m- many of which never got anywhere near to playing Yorkshire, but the, the dads would be outside the county with their pregnant uh, wife and, uh, and race back inside <laughs> the county boundary so that this, the son could be born inside the county boundaries yeah I've, I've heard them stories before um yeah i know a couple of people who a bit a few years older than me said you know oh I, 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 they were from they were, they were living in another place but then they come back to yorkshire just to be born and, and um because their dads wanted them to play for yorkshire i used to do the yorkshire website i used to work at yorkshire and the uh we, we did an april fool one year which probably wasn't that funny actually but the matthew hoggards we did an extravagant kind of backstory that hoggy had been uh hoggy's parents had been in edinburgh on New Year's Eve and uh, his pregnant mother started to get labour pains so the dad started to drive him back toward Yorkshire didn't quite make it so he was born inside Scotland and therefore was, you know, his England career was coming to an end so he was going to play for Scotland because he had dual citizenship <laughs> did another one where we had uh, Scott McAllister who was the club physio in Abu Dhabi played uh, we were short one day because the uh, I think um, John Blaine had to fly um, off the Scotland duty and um, so Scott McAllister played as a very much a number 11 very much a physio um, Scott McAllister and uh, we did an April Fool shortly after we got back to England where um, we'd said oh, because Scott was a physio and because it's Yorkshire and we're a bit tight um, effectively Scott had already shown his prowess on the pre-season tour so he was going to be signed on as a player to the, the squad had a bit of depth and, and he could carry his bags and his physio stuff around with him and uh, Crick Info before I knew it it actually created a player page and then we're really put out <laughs> later on and realised it was an April Fool but, uh, but anyway that's enough, that's enough of my Tom Fool yeah <laughs> 
Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. The listeners are going up every single week through COVID-19. Hopefully, we're giving you a little bit of entertainment to take you away from the troubles in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Loads of great guests planned for the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned to Cricket Badger podcast. Like, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Just looking at how Yorkshire kind of developed from Sachin Tendulkar's year with the club in 1992. I mean, you mentioned Richie Richardson came after that. There's been, you know, Darren Lehman, plenty of others as well that have come into the club. But it was still nearly a decade, wasn't it, before Yorkshire lifted the county championship in 2001. Didn't have an immediate impact. No, I mean, if you look at the squad, I mean, it had years of kind of kind of deprivation, really, with having an overseas player. So they were they were so far behind, they couldn't really. It was never going to be immediate with Sachin Tendulkar. And it was that was quickly realised when after a few games, you know. You know, he even even though he put some good innings in and play, played well and had a positive impact on the team, it wasn't going to be immediate. One one quality overseas player isn't going to change everything. You look at the Yorkshire squad at the time; there was only really Martin Moxon who played for England. Richard Blakely went on to play for England, of course. Darren Goff and Paul Jarvis played a few games as well before. Um, so it was only Jarvis and I think Moxon who played for England at the time. So the squad really wasn't kind of like a, a top international squad. It was a very good squad, but it wasn't kind of um, it was more of a a county squad rather than kind of the best in the land. Compare it to this again. Keep comparing it to the sixties, but you had when you had tap players like Fred Shrewman and Brian Close and Jeffrey Boycott and these kind of England regulars. It was a big difference. So it wasn't immediate, but it was a, it was it, it, it was kind of the start of a new era for Yorkshire. It was the first. It was one of the first kind of movements towards a more kind of um, progressive club. And you look at the club now and you see um, how it's really modernised um, in in many aspects, but. The team itself, you can look at people like David Willey, Jack Brooks in recent years. Of course, he's at Somerset now, but he comes to mind and he was um, Oxfordshire born. Willies was born in Northamptonshire, I believe. People like Tom Caller Cadmore was born. I think he was born in Kent. Players have come, players, of course, you know, the team is completely different now. You have people like Nicholas Puran coming in for a few games in the T20 to, to, you know, really kind of excite crowds and stuff like that. So it was kind of the first, kind of one of the first moves towards kind of a modern club for Yorkshire. You couldn't say that Tendorka's legacy was kind of that he completely changed Yorkshire and made him this modern club that went on to win that's gone on to win three championships since but what he did do was he was one of the first people to actually come into kind of a very old-fashioned institution and kind of one of the first people to really kind of modernize the club so he he you know it was a it was a big move for the club and it can be seen as a point where the club started to become better and become more modern and um then throughout the 90s, you see that kind of gradual progression towards that championship. So you see people like Michael Vaughan coming through, uh, which is important because Michael Vaughan wasn't born in Yorkshire. Um, you can see people like um, Darren Lehman coming into the team. Again, another thing, he was obviously massive towards the 2001 win. I think you can look at someone like Steve Kirby in 2001 who came in the back half that season. Not sure where Steve Kirby was born, but I'm not sure if he was born in Yorkshire. So, But the, the, I think the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it was that then on players were then coming into would then be able to come in from different kind of backgrounds and different parts of the world and yeah. different parts of the country and then build to make a team that was still had a very strong Yorkshire kind of part, a big part of the squad was still Yorkshireman, but it was a team that then could then start to challenge. And it was, it was a gradual progression towards 2001, but you can see it starting at the beginning of the decade with a decision to hire an overseas player. And you could say that any overseas player could have been the guy to start the revolution. It's not necessarily Sachin Tadulka, but he was the person who was kind of brave enough as a 19-year-old and kind of very young to kind of be that first guy. And I think a lot of people might have not been, wanted to be Yorkshire's overseas first overseas player. It was a massive honour, of course, to be that player, but then it's a, a huge kind of pressure. It's this big, great club, and um, a lot of people may have not wanted to, wanted to do it. And you've got to you've got to give credit to Sachin Tadulka for being that man to become Yorkshire's first overseas player. I may have mentioned it, listeners, on the podcast before, but I'm very much a Yorkshire supporter. May may have cropped up occasionally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, kind of going on from Sachin's 1992, I mean, if you ask me who my favourite player of all time is, it'd be Darren Lehman. And a lot of Yorkshire folk who were potentially maybe against the changes in 1992 probably have exactly the same answer and have grown very fond to some of the overseas players that have come in. So it has changed the landscape dramatically, hasn't it? Yeah, it has absolutely. It's a It's been. A, it's really changed the club, and that's why I keep going back to Sachin because he was the first. So it's not necessarily, or you can't say this is this because Yorkshire have had people like Darren Lehman. It's not because Sachin, not because of Sachin Tendulkar. You can't say it's all because of him. But you've got to give him credit as the first. And um, you, you look at the club, and 
the club's real their success really since then has been based on not only overseas players but players from outside the county and keep going back to 2014 2015 and of course the years around that as well 2012 champions league got to the t20 finals day in 2012 2016 almost won a third straight champ, uh, championship was very 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 close to doing that and in that area you look at that squad you've got jason gillespie the coach is from australia You've got uh, members of that team, so you can go from, I'm trying to remember the team now, um, Gary Balance, Zimbabwean, not Zimbabwean, but born in Zimbabwe, Jack Brooks from Ox- uh, Oxfordshire. Um, you've got Liam Plunkett, who's born in, oh, he's born in Middlesbrough, I think, so he's not, he's still a Yorkshireman, isn't he? So, but the squad... Are, very much developed by Durham, though. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's a lot of players in that squad. And uh, look at Ryan Sidebottom, who is a Yorkshireman, of course, but played a lot for Nottinghamshire. So... There is, there is that. You look at that squad and um, that won those titles, and still a massive Yorkshire kind of lot of Yorkshire players in there that were born and born and bred in Yorkshire and, and built and kind of developed by the club, such as Adam Life, um, Johnny Bairstow. So, but there's also that strong kind of players from outside of Yorkshire um, developed by other clubs, born in born in different parts of the country, and of course the Australian coach. So Aaron Finch played a few games in the Championship for Yorkshire. In the, was it the second year or the first year they won it? So, yeah, the, yeah. the overseas were playing their part as well in those, those times too. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. to go, kind of go into the book, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some Indians will be listening to this podcast as well as uh, as English folk in, around the world who are just massive fans of Sachin Tendulkar. Is, is there a little nugget you can maybe just give us, just open up one of the pages and give us a, a, a secret, something you didn't know about Sachin Tendulkar that maybe other people might not be aware of? Um, well, my, one of my favourite bits here, um, so one of the top, I've got the book in front of me, but one of the things, one of my favourite parts about the um, stories about the in, the, uh, the going to the Indian curry houses, there's a great story about, um, and it, it was found in a newspaper article from 1992, um, and Derek Hodgson, the journalist, who I really kind of use a lot of his kind of material from the time, um, he kind of covered Yorkshire really in depth at that point. There's a story where he, he asks... Um, he asked, well, a restaurant owner, you know, you're doing two curries now. Uh, you've got the boycott curry and the, the tandoorka curry. What's the difference? And he said, well, with the with the boycott curry, the runs come a lot more slower. So um, <laughs> that, was a, that was an interesting anecdote that I found. And a lot of a lot of the knowledge around uh, Sachin, um, I mean, there was one with the wash. There's a story about the washing machine as well, which Solly Adam was keen to share. And I think Tandorka also shared in his autobiography, uh, which was where he tried to use the washing machine for... Uh, one of the first times in his life, if not the first time. And um, he asked Solly Adam and said, you know, how do I use a washing machine? And he said, you know, you just need to put washing powder in, turn it on. And he did that, but he put a whole box of Daz in. So um, <laughs> and that was, you know, caused a lot of foam. And um, I think maybe that one of the things that maybe these Indian fans um, and fans of Tendulkar maybe might not be aware of, but when he was such a young player at the time, he was still kind of just an ordinary, ordinary kid. So... Um, I think that's one of the things that's interesting to me. You see Tendulkar, and I've always grown up with Tendulkar being this kind of star of Indian world cricket. Um, but it's also easy, you know, we can't... And he was a star from a very young age, you know, playing for um, India from 16. He was kind of like a, a huge... He was a he was an international player from, you know, most of his life. He was a, he's been an international cricketer. So, you know, it, that's probably something we, we need to remember over this. You know, he still was just an ordinary person and... Um, I kind of think it's. It, it, I mean, Tolly Adam mentioned one point. You know, when he was living in Yorkshire, he learned to become more, more of a kind of a normal person. Because in India, he was revered from a very young age. And even in 1992, if he was walking down a street in Mumbai, he'd be mobbed by people. Whereas when he lived in in Dewsbury in England, it was uh, a lot different. He could, you know, have more of a kind of a, a normal life and just kind of go to the barbers and get his hair cut and do things like that. So um, that normality was a real big thing for me. Um, in the book and there is a chapter called life life in yorkshire where kind of discusses all about his um his his kind of personal life in england during a time and um that's something that really interested me just the kind of normality of the person uh even though i didn't get to speak to tim Dorker, it was really kind of evident you know he's just a just a regular guy like kind of like us all um so it was something that yeah probably was quite was it's quite interesting. I was just flicking through the, the the photographs while you were talking there in the in the middle of the book and Sachin Tendulkar's whites are very white. You can see that a full a full tank of Daz does actually make your whites go very very brilliantly white. Um, yeah. Only a kid when he came over in 1992. The honorary tyke inside Sachin Tendulkar's summer at Yorkshire CCC by our guest for this uh, edition, Thomas Blow, published by Vertical Editions. Thomas, where can people buy it? 
Um, you can buy it from the Vertical Edition website now. And if you use in a checkout um, discount code, uh, code JOY, you can get 50% off. So um, you get it for just £6. So um, feel free to go onto Vertical Editions. Um, if you just Google it, um, go onto the website and uh, click on the book. And then when you get to the checkout, put in discount code JOY. Um, you'll be able to get uh, 50% off. J-O-I, yeah. And um, yeah, if anyone's bought it already, anyone's planning to buy it, uh, just like to say thank you. Really appreciate the support and um, hopefully everyone enjoys. www.verticaleditions.com, the place to go if you want to buy the honorary type by Thomas Blade. Thomas, thanks ever so much for coming on the show this week. Thank you for having me. It's been great. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much indeed for Thomas for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast this week. Enjoyed that chat actually, going back in time to 1992. Sachin Tendulkar's achieved a huge amount since then and you can grab a copy of the Honorary Tyke inside Sachin Tendulkar's summer at Yorkshire CCC. Vertical Editions are the publishers. Stick them into uh, Google. You'll find out how to buy it. The Honorary Tyke by Thomas Blow. Thanks to Thomas again for his time on the Cricket Badger podcast this edition. Thank you to tvsportsblog.com on Twitter at tvsportsblog for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow, have a look on their website, some cracking sporting content there. You've got plenty of time, so you might as well have a bit of a browse. Loads of Cricket Badger podcasts planned over the next week or so. Got some cracking guests on my list and set up most of those. Got a Cricket Fans podcast planned. Got a Cricket Journalist podcast planned. Luke Sutton, the former Derbyshire and Lancashire wicketkeeper batsman, he's coming on to talk about his book and his times in cricket and I'm also uh, setting up an interview with Keaton Jennings so loads in the pipeline on the Cricket Badger podcast please on whatever platform you listen to it give it a like subscribe so they drop straight into your inbox and leave a nice comment if you can as well be much appreciated your ears are always much appreciated stay safe out there look after each other wish you all the best and I'll see you again on the Cricket Badger podcast next time cheers badges. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.